This is an ABC podcast. 20 years ago, something happened that changed Australia forever. Nightclubs in our favourite holiday destination, Bali, were bombed, killing 202 people. Many of those were Aussies. Hey, it's Dave Marchese with you for the Hack Podcast. We're remembering the Bali bombings because after 20 years, so many of us don't remember much or anything about this huge moment in our history. You're going to hear what happened from those who were there and how these young Australians' lives were changed forever. Hack. Because while an act of terror might shake us, it cannot change us. But the worst of humanity brought out the very best. On Triple J. How good is Bali? Really, a great for a cheeky getaway, a lot of fun with your mates. So many people go there every year. There's something so exciting about being in Bali as well. There's just this fun energy. Everyone's having a good time. The nightclubs are full. The drinks are flowing. Your friends are all around. But for so many Australians in 2002, Bali the paradise became Bali the nightmare. Some lives ended, some lives changed forever, and Australia lost some of its innocence. Look, if you've been to Bali on holiday, I'm wondering, do you know much about the bombings? Like, maybe you've seen the miniseries that was just released about it, or it's influenced the way you travel because your parents worry about this kind of thing. Send me a message, 0439 757 In a bit, we're going to speak with someone who was there. He's going to tell you what it was like for him then, what it's like for him now. But first, here's Shalala Medora to recap what happened. And just a warning, this story does contain some really distressing stuff. So if you think it might be a bit too much, might be a good idea to switch off. Saturday night, the 12th of October, 2002. A suicide bomber walks into Paddy's Bar in Kuta, Bali. Suddenly we heard like this big bang and everyone was kind of like, what's that? In the panic and confusion that followed, patrons of the bar ran out onto the street. I just thought um, in that moment, if I don't run, I'm going to die. Less than a minute later, a van packed with explosives parked outside the nearby Sari Club also detonated. It felt like a large gas cylinder had just blown up right next to me. Um, You know, I felt myself being thrown onto dance floor like a rag doll. Later, a third bomb would go off outside the US consulate. Thankfully, no one was injured in that explosion. They were ear-piercing screams, but then fading into nothing. It was, um, it was an absolute war zone. In the days, weeks and months ahead, the death toll from the Bali bombing would climb to 202 people. 38 of them were Indonesian locals but 88 were Australian. It is a race against time. Um, What we have is a situation where um, they have no facilities here. There's only about eight fridges in there in the mortuary. The hospital in Bali was inundated with badly injured people. There's a smell of charred flesh permeating the whole hospital. It wasn't air-conditioned and couldn't cope with the influx. The majority of the bodies and body parts... uh, probably around 200 people, are simply sitting in plastic bags packed between blocks of rapidly melting ice. Within hours, survivors were being airlifted to Australia. It was our largest medical evacuation since the Vietnam War. Burns units in almost every Australian capital city have been ready to begin accepting the most badly injured. The largest number of patients were flown to Perth, where they were treated by Dr Fiona Wood, a plastic surgeon who was pioneering a technique called spray-on skin. When the patients started arriving from Bali, 
I remember seeing the relief in their faces that they were home, they were in Australia. She'd go on to be named Australian of the Year for her work in the aftermath of the bombing. Even though it didn't happen in Australia, the Bali bombings are our most deadly attack. This is a vile crime which has claimed the lives of as yet an uncounted number of Australians. Within hours of the attack, John Howard, who was Prime Minister at the time, sent Australian Federal Police and investigators to Bali to help local authorities. The athletes always had a role in terrorism. But this was different. This was very, very different. We'd certainly never seen anything like it before. So it was chaotic. Whoa! It just hit it! Another plane just hit it! Oh my God! Remember, this happened just a year after the 9-11 Twin Tower attacks. There it goes. The threat of terrorism on home soil was a major concern. What happened at the weekend claimed our own in great numbers, was on our own doorstep and touched us in a way that we wouldn't have thought possible a week ago or even three days ago. Indonesian police have captured the man they've named as the mastermind of the Bali bomb attack. Terrorist group Jamar Islamir was suspected of organising the attack. This organisation has links with Al-Qaeda. It seeks to create a new Islamic state in Southeast Asia. Within a month, Al-Qaeda chief Osama bin Laden put out a statement saying the Bali bombings were retaliation for the war on terror a war Australia supported. In November 2008, the three men convicted of carrying out the attacks were executed by firing squad. The Indonesian police did a remarkable job and they've probably put more people before the courts than any comparable country in the world. Hambali, the man considered the mastermind of the attack, is still being held in Guantanamo Bay. In August this year, another convicted bomb maker, Uma Patak, was let out of jail early for good behaviour. I'd now like to welcome the Honourable Anthony Albanese, Prime Minister of Australia, to say a few words. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese marked the 20th anniversary in Coogee, Sydney. Grief is its own creature. Grief does not travel in straight lines. Grief may soften with time, but it does not fade. He said first and foremost, today was a day to remember the victims. And as a nation, we'll never, ever forget them. We hold on to their names and faces and we will never let them fade. Hack Triple J. Shalala Medora there and we're getting lots of messages through. Talia in Newcastle says, I'm originally from Dubbo and I went to school with a young guy whose uncle was actually killed and his auntie was my teacher. They had an award named after him at the school for students to receive. Sula from Darawal Country says, I was working in Wollongong Hospital when the Bali bombings happened. There were so many nurses from Wollongong Hospital that were in Bali at the time and they helped in local hospitals to triage and treat patients for at least a week. They're heroes. Look, it's time for us to hear from someone who was there in Bali. Mitchell Ryan was in Kuda in October 2002 with his brother Jake and some mates as well. He was only 18 when he was caught up in the Bali bombings. He's with us now. Mitch, thanks so much for speaking with us. It's 20 years since the Bali bombings. How does that feel for you to hear that? Uh, mate, yeah, 20 years. You sort of think, wow, like, where's the time gone? I cannot believe it's 20 years ago. I, I would have told you it was last week, really. Um, it's still so vivid and, and lives with every day. It's a very strange feeling to think that I was 18 at the time and I'm now... 38, um, I'm, you know, I'm turning into a grown man and 
that uh, yeah, the twenty years hasn't softened it much for me. Well, I know it's hard, but I wanted for you to take us back to Cuda in two thousand and two. How did yep. you end up there? Who were you with, and why were you in Bali? All right, so uh, myself and Porky, uh, my best mate Dale Robson, we were there with my old brother and some teammates from the Southport Sharks. We were there on a end of season footy trip. Uh, myself and Porky had just finished our first year of senior footy, first senior footy season, and we decided, you know, we're going with the boys. And do you remember what the trip was like before the attack? Oh, it was all time. It was awesome. We all had fun drinking, eating, partying, in the pool all day, in the surf, just, you know, young Aussie blokes without a care in the world. Typical Bali experience, right? Yeah, so many people would have had that. And yep. you'd been there, you're having a good time, like you said, you were about to leave. It's the 12th of October 2002, mm-hmm. pretty standard Saturday night in Kuta. Restaurants, yep. bars, they're pumping. Where were you? Uh, so we were, as a group, in front, well, not in front, in the front of the Sari Club, so inside the premises but towards the front, towards the street. And as explained to us afterwards by the AFP, we were seven metres away from where the van exploded and all that separated us was basically a, a fence out the front. What do you remember about the Sari Club that night? Mate, it was like <laughs> it was like the Sari Club every night had been for the past week. Full, busy, happy, cold bintangs, jungle juices. Mate, it was just a great time. Everyone was having a ball. And so you're there, it's getting late in the night. What happened next? Um, I remember this quite vividly. Uh, we were standing around sort of in a semicircle, just sort of having a chat. I think there was probably six of us together. My brother, as he did, was across the bar talking to some girls and, um, you know, I guess trying his luck. And the boys that were sort of standing together, we heard a bang across the road. I'm unsure whether it was fireworks or something had happened and we all sort of just half cocked our head around to have a look what was going on and then, mate, I don't remember anything. Then I, then I wake up. Well, and that was it? Yep. I, um, I, don't, I don't recall the van exploding. I don't recall getting out of the club. My first memory after the explosion was coming to in a dark alleyway with your best mate Porky running towards me on fire. Wow. Porky's bodies were on fire. So he was running towards me. Uh, he'd, had, he'd had a gash from his eyebrow over the top of his head all the way through his scalp and he was, he was bleeding fairly... Oh, no, he was, he was pissing blood. Like he, was, he was not in a good way, but I didn't say that. I saw his, his board shorts on fire. So how did you get into the alleyway? No idea. No idea. Um, I'd either been dragged out, thrown out by someone, or I'd managed to scale a eight-foot brick fence, brick wall. And what about everyone else? So how many people were you with? Your brother was with you as well. Yep. Where were all your mates? Um, so we got split up almost instantly. Sheer luck, I ran into Dale, you know, while he was coming down the alleyway. Alleyway. Two of the other boys had, had got out and, and managed to get themselves to some assistance. Uh, my brother managed to get himself out the front. I'll just take you back a little bit. Before we left on the trip, mum, being the worrying mother, said to Jake before we left for the airport, 
this is your brother's first overseas footy trip. Make sure nothing happens to him. So Jake's got that ringing in his head while he's trying to get back in the front of the Sari club where there's a crater and it's all on fire, just oh. trying to find me because he's worried what mum's going to do to him. On the TVs over there, they had rolling news coverage and and the ticker along the bottom had confirmed dead on it and my name on there. So Jake had thought I, I was dead and um, he managed to ring home before he managed to ring the, the hotel and the first thing he said to my mum was, Mitch is dead. And mum had to calm him down and and talk to him and say, no, no, I, I, I'd, I'd spoken to mum earlier. Oh, so the hotel. Your mum so had Jake, already heard from you. Yeah, yeah. And that's that haunted him for a fair while, but <laughs> he was wrong. <laughs> what were the injuries like? You, your brother, your mates? Uh, mate, so in our group of the eight boys that were there that night, we ranged from, you know, some burns on the legs and some some shra- light shrapnel wounds and stuff to we had a blo- we had a mate who didn't come home we we lost Billy Hardy and um, we went he had the whole range of minor burns to a death. Mitch, is there anything that specifically sticks out to you still about that night? A detail? I mean, it's so horrible that I'm sure there's a lot of things things that you saw, things that you were hearing, but is there one thing that you just always remember? Mate, I'll always, it will never leave me, the sight of uh, the emergency room at the military hospital we eventually got into, but I'll never forget the layout of that room, the white tiles that were black and brown and red, the groans and the moans of you know, just low, deep moans of just people in agony, because burns, <sighs> burns feel like they're still burning. Like they don't, the, the flame doesn't go away and then it stops burning. It just continues to burn you. And there, there was a girl in the bed next to Porky who, oh, she put her in mid twenties, and she was by herself, and her agonising screams. She was in so much pain and, and you know, give a bottle of water and, and, and try and, and there's nothing nothing it could do. And just the agony written all over her face and there's a smell and I, I smell it, oh, I don't know, once every 18 months it just comes out of nowhere and it's the smell of that burning... Flesh and timber. It's, yeah, mate. They really stick with me. You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with Bali bombing survivor Mitchell Ryan on the 20th anniversary of the attacks. It is really intense stuff, and we're speaking about it throughout Hack today. I want to know, is it something that's impacted your life? Maybe you know somebody who was caught up in the Bali bombings, a family friend, a relative. We've already got some people messaging in. Jake from Kempsey says, my sister and dad were in Bali for a holiday. My sister was about to leave the Sari club and my old boy told her to wait until he got ready and then they'd go together. On the cab ride there, it went off and so she, if she hadn't have waited for dad, she would have been there. I remember being about nine years old. Mum was going crazy, trying to call to make sure they were okay. Another person says, One of my dear friends, Clive Walton, was killed in the Bali bombings. He was from the HK rugby club, the Vandals. I'll never get over losing him. It's so senseless. Mitch Ryan, I'm wondering, what was it like when you got back to Australia? So when I got back to to Darwin, 
I was told I needed emergency surgery just to clear up a little infection. And they asked if if they could speak to mum and dad back home. I said, yeah, of course. You know, I don't, know, I don't you know, 18, I don't know what's going on. Please speak to mum and dad. And the surgeon told mum that if they didn't operate <laughs> within the hour, they're going to cut my leg off. And I, didn't, I never knew, knew any of that. And that freaked me out once I knew. But I'm really glad I didn't know about that. So I had the emergency surgery in Darwin and then home to Queensland the next day and then ended up in the hospital on the Gold Coast that I was actually born in and had all my schoolmates and all my footy mates and everyone come and visit me and it was really good and I I felt incredibly lucky and so grateful to be alive. But I had this tremendous sense of guilt and this thinking of why why me? Not why did it happen to me, but why did I survive? I keep seeing the news and everyone's looking for loved ones and relatives and friends and I was so guilty about surviving um, and that took, that took years to get over just to see Billy's dad and Bill's sister and Billy's mum and I felt rude that I could be there to give him a hug but Billy couldn't be. Mitch, in 2008, three men were executed for their role in the Bali bombings. Others involved have been sentenced to jail or <laughs> died since then. Yep. As a survivor, do you think justice has been served? Oh, simply no. Um, I think the blokes who are executed, I think a bullet was too good for them. They have caused and are continuing to cause so much pain and grief that they should have suffered. They got a humane way out, whereas their victims didn't. <laughs> and as for the the bloke that, you know, the, the mastermind of the bomb, who who is, I believe, let out of prison already, and I know it's Indonesia, and they govern their country their own way, but it's an absolute disgrace. For a bloke to be a key figure in the killing of 202 people, to spend less than 10 years in jail and walk out because apparently he's rehabilitated. Mate, makes my blood boil. To think that they've rehabilitated someone who's killed 202 people, piss off. Nah, I don't care about rehabilitation. You should be there to be punished. That yeah, drives me crazy, mate. You know, for most Australians, the Bali bombings are a moment in time that's impossible to forget. There are going to be some younger Australians listening, though, now that might have been too young at the time to remember what happened. Maybe they weren't even born yet. And they might not fully understand the history. Does that worry you as a survivor that there could be people that, that don't fully appreciate and understand what happened? Um, to a certain extent, yeah. Um, I guess being 18 when it happened and fairly naive about the world, you know, generally what goes on, like it was a, a very big thing to learn or a big eye-opener that bad things can happen to you wherever you are, just because we're in Australia or on a party island or, you know, a paradise of Bali doesn't mean you're safe from everything. And not to say that you should be constantly worried about something's going to happen, but you should always be on your toes a little bit that we are a laid-back, happy country. Not everyone shares our view and people people have a go at you. Um, And I think it's important for the younger generation... Jeez, I sound old when I say that. <laughs> I think it's uh, important for the younger generation to realise if something bad does happen or when something bad does happen, us as Australians are amazing. 
we get together, we help, we all pitch in to do what we can. And from every absolute tragedy, horrific event like this, there are positives to take away. There are positive lessons to be learnt. You know? Also, for the younger ones, don't take it all too seriously and get too wound up. Being angry doesn't help anyone. I think forgiveness, and you know, that's only been the last couple of years for me, I think forgiveness is a big lesson to learn as well. And I would hate the memory of our lost loved ones to fade. I'd like the younger generation to stop every year and just have a think and, and just remember those brilliant people who had their futures taken. There's a show, a four-part series that people might have seen. It's been made about the bombings. It's called Bali 2002. What do you think about that? Like, is that something that, you know, triggered a lot of stuff for you when you saw it? Have you seen the show? I haven't watched it yet. I know it will probably stir me up a bit, so I'll, I'll wait until further down the line. I will watch it. I was really torn on the whole miniseries thing. Originally, I was thinking, yep, that's great. People are going to get to tell their story and have their story recorded. And then my worry was that being an entertainment product, they'll take liberties and and it won't be... 100% to what actually happened. I'm unsure. I haven't watched it, so I can't say. I do think the timing of its release is piss poor, and I believe the, the final episode was aired last night or was available last night. I know they're saying an entertainment product, but that just reeks of there's attention on it, let's make money from it, rather than we're just going to tell the story, let's make what we can from it. And I, that shits me a bit. This is Hack. I'm Dave Marchese speaking with Bali bombing survivor Mitchell Ryan on the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attack. We've got a heap of messages coming through. Someone says, incredibly raw and powerful. Another person, mad props to this guy to take so much guts to talk like this. Tell him thanks for sharing. Yeah, heap of really, really, you know, positive comments coming through for you, Mitch. Someone else says, my aunt and half her school friends were killed in the Bali bombings. They left behind a wonderful husband, two beautiful young children. I was on a military course at the time. I want to get back to Mitch Ryan. Mitch, I know you've been back to Bali since the bombings and it was there that you met another survivor soon after the attack and I want to bring him in now, Aaron Lindsay. As I said, another Bali bombing survivor. He's on the line. Hey, Az, thanks very much for joining us on Hack. Hey, mate. Cheers for having me. So you guys became friends after the bombing. How did that happen? Uh, the first anniversary, so 19 years ago now, um, we were flown to Bali to commemorate the first anniversary. So the government, um, yeah, did a little thing so we could fly to Bali and happens by chance that uh, we meet some, you know, group of lads pretty much the same of us staying in our hotel a couple of days prior and instantly with Mitch, his brother Jake and all the other boys, we just, you know, instantly became family straight away. Like, you know, we were all involved in, in the bombing together and, yeah, that was that's pretty much the start of it, <laughs> as, as a long story short, yeah. So the survivors catch up regularly? I mean, I guess it's different, but, like, a lot of you guys are mates. Are you constantly catching up as...? Yeah, I mean, we like as we get older and uh, at the moment we've all got kids and stuff, we've sort of, you know, it's a little bit few and far between as life gets involved. But um, 
one thing we always have is obviously messaging and calling each other and you know if we're ever feeling down and stuff i know who i can reach to and it is like the people like mitch and all my mates as well that were involved in it and stuff like that mitch how much does it mean having friends who also experienced what you did it's everything without you know without porky my brother as chad my mates in perth community of survivors we have here in queensland um Without them, I don't know how I would get through it all. It was so tough and continues to be pretty tough to deal with. But like as said, he's only a phone call away, a text message away. To go through anything that's not great, bomb-related or not, I know that group is there to help me and and support me and um, I'll never be able to thank them enough. It's a tough day, I imagine. It's a tough time, tough week, tough year with this anniversary. As how are you marking it? Is it something that you've been thinking a lot about coming up to it? Is it something that you've tried to put out of your mind? Um, I've, I've always tried to address it as early as possible because it does impact me mentally quite a bit. Obviously, you know, it brings stuff straight back because everyone starts talking, especially this year being 20th anniversary it's been everywhere in the media and so i try and get to it quickly with my thoughts and everything like that and you know everything i've been going through with counseling and stuff and but um this year is quite a yeah different one i'm away at work at the moment and can i ask you about job- your work as because i mean i don't want to make light of anything but i've heard that you work <laughs> as a bomb technician i'm actually the the title is shot fire, so yeah, in charge of a crew, and we pretty much handle explosives and blow dirt up to recover gold for clients. So, so how yeah. how did how did you get into that? In the sense that people would think, listening to that, what like that must be the most traumatic thing to be experiencing, or did you find it had the opposite effect? Had quite the opposite. My um one of my best mates, Sano, who was in. In, you know, involved in the bombing as well. He was one of the guys, you know, helped save my life as well. And he made the the jump into this industry and we were both, because we worked together for, for years and then he was the first one to step into it. And then he was like, when you're ready, come up. He goes, you're going to love it, trust me. And then, yeah, a year and a half ago, I made the, made the jump and, uh, yeah, just quite surreal to, you know, people will hear this and they'll be like, oh, this guy got blown up and now I'm doing the blowing up, but for a good kind, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know when you tell people it probably sounds a bit strange or whatnot, but no. yeah. No, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely not what I was expecting you to say when you said I'm at work at the moment. Mitch, this anniversary, um, you know, you're reflecting a lot on, on what happened and, and the future as well and remembering the legacy what do you want people to know about the Bali bombings and you as a survivor? The people. The people we lost. Remember the families got torn apart. Remember the people who jumped in and helped and went out of their way and risked their, risked their own safety and health to help everyone else. I want to remember the good time that everyone was having and I don't ever want to remember the bombers or anyone who had any part of it. And as for me, as a survivor, I guess I'd want to be known for being positive 
and not letting an incident or an event like this tear me apart but actually build me into a stronger person. It's kind of strange thinking back because we were 19 at the time and I guess is the mateship that that we like had then going through this like and there's something I guess for like young listeners just probably hear is that like you don't understand I guess what your mates around you are capable of and to just try and I don't know cherish that and instead of you know I guess you know looking at all the the bad stuff and whatnot but just really really try and I don't know hold on to that mateship and look after each other Uh, really powerful words you know Australia's not going to forget what happened 20 years ago because it changed all of us and I know that I can speak on behalf of so many Australians listening right now when I say we feel the pain and anguish that you guys have been through and go through Bali bombing survivors Mitchell Ryan and Aaron Lindsay thank you so much for joining us on Hack and sharing your experiences with us no worries mate and uh thanks as mate I'll um I love you bro I'll speak to you later on yeah, mate, I love you too, and uh, can't wait to you know eventually have a beer together again soon, brother. Love you. Hack on Triple J. And that's all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time.